Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based breathwork facilitator and healing guide and human. And today I have quite a vulnerable episode to share with you on sexuality and specifically my journey with my sexuality. I really wanted to share this episode I've been wanting to for a few months now, really because the heart of this podcast is telling stories that help people feel less alone, and I've heard people share stories around sexuality that I could see myself in with threads that were similar in different spaces, online and in person, and had tears because I felt so seen. So that's really why I'm sharing this episode. This is a podcast that's about healing and this is part of my journey and it is for many of us as well. I think growing up in a heteronormative culture, a very non-affirming culture depending on where we are, in our families of course, but certainly my family is conservative, Christian, they're homophobic, all of those things, so it's not been easy to even understand my sexuality. It's, it's been complex and everyone has different circumstances. I can only, I can only and am only speaking for myself and sharing about my story, but before I get into it, I just wanted to share a content warning for homophobia, for religious trauma, for biphobia. Um, yeah, so if you want to sit this one out, that is totally fine. I don't go too in-depth into any of those things, but I just want to offer that I will be touching on those. Um, so it's really only been over these past few years that I've fully come out to myself as a queer person, as a bisexual person, and that's really been part of my healing journey. I don't think that without healing work, I would even know that I'm bisexual or be able to even say those words out loud in all the layers of pulling back that I've been doing for so long. My intention is always to get to the heart of who I am, the truth of who I am. And that truth of queerness has always been nestled inside me and I'm so grateful that over the past few years I've been able to to open it up a little more, to tease it out, to, to let it feel safe enough to bloom a bit. And I want to start by sharing what I wrote for Nikki Mayu's My Queer is Sacred project. Nikki is a really great person to follow and connect with on Instagram. She is also queer and hashtag exangelical coming from religion um so yeah what i wrote for her project in pride month is my queer is sacred because my queer is me because it's fluid where i was taught it and i should be one thing in one box always my queer is sacred because it's of my body my heart because I found it even though no one wanted me to, even though this part of me was supposed to stay hidden from me. And truly, it is a part of me that was supposed to stay hidden from me, and this is all wrapped up in being raised in Southern Baptist evangelical Christianity too, like I can't separate those things, as well as not really having 
queer role models or visible queer people when I was a kid at school or in media, um, at least in the media that I was consuming or allowed to consume. And so in some ways, I feel like now social media has really opened that up for all of us and especially people who are like middle school, high school now who are on social media and able to see so much queer representation and engage with queer people. I think that's so fucking cool. And that was not reality for me um i always remembered being attracted to girls specifically i remember like not being able to stop looking at this girl's butt in the hallway in literally elementary school um and thinking like oh my god i have to stop looking like i have to stop looking but i really thought everyone feels this way right all girls feel this way i'm straight i'm still straight and I think it's for a few reasons. I mean, it's complicated, but I was definitely taught that queerness, I mean, gayness, I guess they were really saying, is a choice by church. And I was attracted to boys too. So I figured I was straight and it was a choice and I just needed to choose that. And there was a ton of shame here too. There was so much shame wrapped up in this. I thought to myself so many times, like no one can ever know. If anyone knew this about me, they wouldn't love me. So I really pretended and I pretended so well that I really thought it was no big deal. I really thought everyone feels this way, I'm straight. Even in high school when I would like make out with one of my female friends at parties or in college when I would say things like, I feel like no one's straight, it's all just a spectrum, everyone's a little bisexual. And it's like, (laughs) no, (laughs) I just wasn't straight, straight people exist, I just wasn't one of them. And also in college, I remember when my older sister came out to me as bisexual, and said she was dating a woman, I remember telling my friends, and the dominant opinion there was, that's so confusing, how can you be into both, it's one or the other, like that kind of sentiment, and verbally I was just like, yeah, I don't know, but inside I was like, what do you mean, that makes perfect sense, that makes the most sense of like anything I've ever heard, so it was weird, this disconnection of like I knew I was attracted to men and women but I told myself I was still straight but I also knew I wasn't straight and was ashamed and at the same time I felt kind of like I never said I was straight you never asked me like you just assumed that about me but I only dated men for all these reasons I think compulsory heterosexuality religious trauma bi erasure internalized homophobia so I just want to talk about a few of those things um If you're not familiar with it, probably most of you are, I'm going to share sort of a, I mean, it's a long definition, but a long explanation of compulsory heterosexuality compad from this Google Doc that maybe a lot of you have seen that my friend Lizzie shared with me. Shout out to Lizzie and all the amazing queer angels I became friends with this year through Erica Smith's queer purity culture dropout support group, which... By the way, I highly recommend if she ever does it again. I have no idea if she's going to. But anyways, in this document, um, I'm going to read from it for a moment. So it says, compulsory is the opposite of optional. Compulsory heterosexuality is exactly what it sounds like. Being straight is something our culture tries to force on us. 
It affects people of every gender, but it's mostly been studied as something that affects women. This is because compulsory heterosexuality easily ties in with the misogyny that causes women's sexualities and even identities to be defined by relationship with men. Women are taught from a very early age that making men happy is our job. We're supposed to be pretty for men. We're supposed to change the way we talk so men will take us more seriously. We're supposed to want a man's love more than anything else. Our magazines are full of sex tips on how to better please men. Our movies are about how we're supposed to fall in love with men. We literally cannot exist in public without men loudly grading us on how well we're pleasing them visually. So what happens if you want to be with women? What happens if you're not attracted to men at all? When you're trained from childhood to see romantic, sexual relationships with men and only men as major life goals, how do you separate that from what you want? Compulsory heterosexuality is the voice in my head that says I must really be het even when I'm in love with a woman. Compulsory heterosexuality is what forces lesbians to struggle through learning the difference between what you've been taught you want, being with men, and what you do want, being with women, which is why so many lesbians have dated men at some point. Compulsory heterosexuality is very similar to heteronormativity, the assumption that straight is the default. We're trained from birth to believe that we'll find someone of the other binary gender, fall in love, have sex, etc. In a million tiny ways, we're taught that only relationships with the other binary gender are valid, and if you're not one of the binary genders, this can be even more confusing. Compulsory heterosexuality is built into you from the moment you're born into this time and place, and it takes a long time to dismantle it. And that feels really true for me. Um, I know that they're referencing um, if you're not one of the binary genders, this can be even more confusing, and compad is what forces lesbians to struggle through that difference in date men, so I just want to say again, like I'm speaking from my own experience as a cisgendered and bisexual person, Um, but I just wanted to read from that document because I feel like it's really helpful, and honestly when I learned this term I was like, what the fuck, this explains like my entire existence, so (laughs) Um, yeah, and I also just want to add too, there's definitely internalized homophobia here um, for me, and I think for lots of us and I remember saying really problematic things which now I can say was definitely internalized homophobia taught to me mostly by religion as a kid and especially I have memories in middle school so content warning here definitely um, for homophobia but I remember talking with my best friend Amanda at the time about her gay aunt and saying, we were talking on the phone, I was sitting in my living room, I can like literally picture it right now, and saying like, I don't care, but the Bible says it's wrong, so you know it's wrong. Um, And I found some notes looking through my so-called treasure boxes when I was a kid. Um notes that I had passed with a friend like making fun of somebody who I had a crush on who didn't like me back and we were calling this person a faggot so yeah I feel shame over those things and I mean that's just like one expression of internalized homophobia that's not like there's definitely more there but I also feel angry at that programming and that brainwashing which is so clearly not coming from 
what I felt to be true or I think or what I think I would have felt and connected with to be true had I not received all of this homophobic programming from my family from our culture from religion and specifically too, what I mentioned um, earlier I wanted to speak about by erasure a bit and i'm going to be sharing some things that other people have said throughout the rest of this episode because i'm telling my story but i can't talk about my story without talking about um all these different components that other people are sharing about honestly way more clearly and better than i am so offering some resources here too um but by erasure has also been a big one and i'm quoting from i'm going to quote from glad here who I didn't know it was problematic, but I appreciated this definition, so I'll just put that out there. But they said on their site, bisexual erasure or bisexual invisibility is a pervasive problem in which the existence or legitimacy of bisexuality, either in general or in regard to an individual, is questioned or denied outright. So, yeah, this feels really true. Um... And I think a lot has contributed to me feeling not queer enough, like I'm not queer enough. And there are these like toxic assumptions that come from a place of bi erasure that if you're with someone of a different gender, you're not really bi, you're straight. If you're with someone of the same gender, you're not really bi, you're gay, lesbian, queer, um, which is literally erasing the existence of bisexual people and is also equating who you are dating to your sexuality which is not it (laughs) right that's not true um so it doesn't and something i've like really connected with and come to terms with is my sexuality is mine right my sexuality is mine it literally does not matter what kind of relationship i'm in what that person's gender is what the relationship passes as um i mean those things like they might matter but it doesn't matter in terms of my sexuality like I'm still bisexual um, regardless. That doesn't change in, I mean, that could change at some point, right? But that doesn't change based on who I'm with. So I want to share this post um, that references biphobia that I found on Instagram that was from by Visibility Day. Um, and this is by at Gab Alexa, who is also bi. So she wrote, the bi plus community is very diverse and the only way to know what bi plus means for an individual person is if they tell you themselves. Bisexual people and especially black bisexual people are stigmatized for being slutty or greedy. And while those words are not inherently true for every bi plus person, they also put pressure on bi plus people to prove how not greedy and slutty they are. In reality, there is no universal standard for how much attraction, romance, or sexuality is acceptable in a human being's life. What the fuck is greed if you're being an ethical partner to many people? What the fuck is slutty if you're not committed to policing people's sexuality? And if compulsory monogamy and purity culture didn't exist, would those even be stigmas? Prob, no. 
Being bisexual doesn't just come with stigma. Bi-plus folks are particularly prone to depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, housing insecurity, and food insecurity, which is directly linked to the double discrimination we experience. Bisexual men exist and are so beautiful and inspiring. They're not secretly gay. They're literally just bisexual. It's also interesting that people always prioritize bisexual folks' attraction to men in stereotypes about them. Anyway, happy Bi Visibility Day, and if you don't think prison abolition is relevant to the Bi Plus community, know that the police take sexual violence less seriously when Bi Plus people report it, and that they often re-victimize Bi Plus folks. Abolish the police. Had to get that last part in there as well. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated this post because I think it speaks to those ideas of stigma and bi erasure and not validating bisexuality as a real identity, but somewhere in between like not choosing or you're really this or that thing and you're just calling yourself bisexual. Um, and also I think there's so much there too around bisexuality being thought of as a more valid identity for women who are often thought of as like they're actually straight, right? Um, and a less valid identity for men who are often thought of like, oh, they're actually just gay. Um, so I thought that was an important post to share. And the last thing that I wanted to share along those lines is from Jen, who is at Generous on Instagram and has a cool new newsletter called The Bi Monthly and is also a bisexual person. And she shares growing up seeing TV characters hook up with people of multiple genders was far from enough to counteract my compulsory monosexism. In parentheses, monosexism equals the idea that people should only be attracted to one gender. I saw straight and gay as the defaults, which meant I thought of any of these any of these deviating moments were just a phase. Thus, I saw my own longings, crushes, or experiences in the same light. I assumed they were just a phase and told myself I was probably straight. It was all too easy to dismiss it away. I think that's really important to note, and she is also a great follow to learn more about bisexuality. There's only been one um, email sent out for the newsletter. It's new, but um, you should probably subscribe to that too if you are also bi or you are into it. Um, so all of this is a lot, right? Working with all of these different things and as I started to come more into my queerness and peel back those layers a few years ago, I didn't feel queer enough and I've also seen posts from people, from queer people that I respect that felt really invalidating to be honest around exploring queerness and questioning your sexuality and sort of reinforcing that idea of like, no, you're actually just straight. Um, and I think that what I love about bisexuality and claiming that term, that identity specifically for myself is that it does feel so, it feels so true to me and it also feels fluid. It feels like it speaks to the mutability and changeability of myself, of my sexuality, of my desires. It feels like I've never wanted to ever be put in any kind of boxes and maybe bisexuality is its own box. Um, but it feels like a way to, like that identity and name and claiming that feels like a way to honor that my sexuality is not one thing or this other thing either. It's everything, it's all things. And that feels really special. And Jen, who I just referenced, also says bisexuality is about finding security, visibility, and wholeness in a state of flux. 
which I also just love. And now I'm like, is this podcast an ad for bisexuality? (laughs) Which I'm sorry. It's not intended to sound that way. Um, but anyways, back to, back to my story. I was also really scared as I'm like starting to really come into my bisexuality for myself. Um, I was with a partner that I loved and still am. And I won't get into our relationship really because I don't want to share his um, business too much, but our relationship structure has evolved um, into non-monogamy at the moment, which is good for us, particularly for me because once I felt and honored and acknowledged this part of myself, I, I couldn't leave it unexplored. And I want to unpack that a little bit because obviously your sexuality is not dependent on who you have dated or slept with, right? Like that is a separate thing. Like your sexuality is yours. You can be bi and never be with a same gender person for sure. But I knew that I really wanted to date women and I also didn't want to break up. So it started out being like, hey... You know I'm not straight, right? When I'm just sort of like unpacking this in the beginning. And he's just like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh great, because like I wasn't really clear, sort of, but not really. (laughs) Um, And eventually evolved from I'm not just not straight, I'm bi, I'm queer. And honoring that and seeing if the relationship could hold that and could evolve with that and evolve out of... um, monogamy as well which i'm grateful that it could and it can and it is and i think also coinciding with this is also deprogramming monogamy for me which i won't get into as much but i think you've you've all heard me talk about this on the show like for a few years now i've been like huh I don't know if that relationship structure that has been handed down is really working for me. Yeah, it's not really working for me. Um, and also doing a lot of like reading and research and looking for examples of people with other kinds of relationships um, has been really great. But yeah, so seeing if the relationship could hold that evolution and it has. And I also want to share like I'm not out to my parents, my decision not to be out to my parents and seeing how my parents reacted when my sister was sort of forced to come out, when they really found out that she was dating a woman, which is not my story to tell, so I'm not going to be telling it here, but I learned a lot from that experience and my takeaway was really that my parents' love is conditional and it probably is only a matter of time before I do something, say something, express some part of myself that they're going to be like, nope, it's too much, you're too much, we can't be around you. And I think there's so much there. I really crave the love of my family, of the people who brought me into the world. And I mean, these are core attachment relationships, right? This is like where I learned what love is. And so as I'm even saying this, I'm like, yeah, there's literally no other relationship in my life I would ever tolerate knowing like, oh, I can't express this part of myself. Um, But in those relationships, like, it just feels very messy. And absolutely, like, I 
I know I don't need to come out to them, like, you don't have to come out to anyone ever if you don't want to, like, all of that is true, um, and I just want to honor if you, if you are in that place as well, where you are stuck between expressing full self and having relationship with family, I feel y'all, and, like, I already pushed it with the witchcraft thing a couple years ago, so I think we might need some more time to adjust before we take it to, to another level here, but, <laughs> um, I just want to honor that that reality is really real, and it's really scary, and it's my reality, it's real for me, so, Really, I'm sharing all of this because I felt so alone in this stuff for a long time and I also feel really grateful that my healing process has brought me to this place of understanding myself better, understanding my sexuality better, being able to express that sometimes in some ways, being able to expand out of, out of inherited boxes and as I'm talking about this, I also want to acknowledge that it's a privilege certainly to be in a relationship that passes for straight. Um, and I say straight passing because I'm not straight, so my relationship isn't either, and that feels important to say as well. And I want to close this episode, which hopefully you're all following. I feel like now I've rambled all over the place, but maybe you can tell that it feels pretty tender to be sharing about. Um, I want to close with a poem that I wrote called Venus Rising uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, most of my poetry is witchy, queer, ex-religious poetry, and this one in particular feels like a delicious incantation that I want to share with you. So it's called Venus Rising, and to give a little context, this poem was inspired by, of course, the archetype of Venus, which I feel very connected to around pleasure and love and fulfillment, um, and also literally watching Venus rise all summer. I could see Venus rising outside the window at my old apartment every night, um, laying on the beach in July, watching Venus rise over the ocean. So yeah, so both of those things. And here's the poem. The first time a woman touched me, I was naked and ashamed. But last night I breathed in Venus rising and I got high, exhaled the ash of compulsory heterosexuality and let the moon take it, holy flesh, hallowed desire, body wake, body rise. Thank you all. I love you. Come share on Instagram. Say hi. Um, let me know where you're at with this episode, sexuality, anything you want to share. I'm into it. I'm here for it. And I'll be back on Monday with our, our regularly scheduled programming.